Carlos, Alberto Diego talking the world game, trying to make sense of the Foxes. You know how they had a fairy tale last year at Leicester, winning the Premier League? Well, they've got a different fairy tale this year. It's trying to win the Champions League, and it continues on. Here we go, it's Riyad Mahrez with the delivery. Chance to shoot, and he scores! North Wolverine for Leicester City! Leicester City have eyes on the quarterfinals! And Sevilla pushing forward here, Vitolo wants it played into the penalty area, Vitolo could be in, and it's cleared away and he goes down! It's Nzonzi against Schmeichel, oh and it's saved by the Leicester City goalkeeper! What a moment, what a save, and that could be the tie right there! And it was. It was 3-2 on aggregate for Leicester City. They go through against Sevilla. This is the club, Carlos, and welcome to you, that sacked its coach about three or four weeks ago. Yeah, we all dec- we decried it, <laughs> didn't we? What's going on? How could they do that? The legend like Ranieri, they put up the statue, and the very next day they sacked the guy. Um, it, it, it's just, look, if everyone's forgotten about Ranieri, they've justified it now. The boys have not lost, I don't believe, in the league since then. So it was his fault? Well, look, I just think, you know, players are strange beasts, aren't they? I mean, uh, when they're unhappy, they, you know, they, they get together and they're unhappy together. They get rid of one guy and suddenly they're recaptured. They're playing exactly the same football they did last they are. year. And you and, watch today's game. Yeah. That is the, that's yeah. the team that won last year's Premier League title. Yeah. That's been hiding for seven months. And this is Sevilla. That's third in the in the league in La Liga at the moment and they've shown fairly good form uh, this whole season and troubled a few big teams over there too. So there's a lot of tickets on Sevilla and uh, and of course Sammy Nestri, uh, uh, the old Arsenal player who, uh, and by the way, I thought that they'd lost the game even before he got sent off, but uh, after he got sent off, it just became a, a no-brainer. It, Leicester just have got the hunger back. They they run down teams. They chase them. They, I thought that I, I actually thought it was uh, the fact that Nagolo Kante went to uh, Chelsea, and I thought that was the major reason why they fell apart this year. But really, now that Ranieri's gone, the players have been freed up. Uh, according, you know, who knows whether they have been freed up, but their attitude's a lot different. Uh, they uh, they're a team now that. Uh, Kante or no Kante, they're actually now uh, playing the same football as last year. It's amazing because he's become Chelsea, one of Chelsea's best players. Yeah, too. yeah. Like he's uh, he's going to play probably in two consecutive title-winning teams. In fact, he will for two different clubs. How many times has that happened in the Premier League? Not very often, I'd imagine. Yeah, that yeah. you've gone from a championship-winning mm. team to another club that wins the the Premier League the second year. Yeah, if anyone well, can remember a player that's mm. done that, give us a call nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Because off the top of my head, no, I can't. I've got it, no one. You'll get have to get the research department on that one there. But uh, but even you know if you go to Nagolo Kante and what what he did for Chelsea on the weekend, the FA Cup against Manchester United, scoring the goal. Gary Lineker. I mean, this guy is not a guy that throws around. Uh, praise lightly, he turned around and said if he ends up scoring more goals, puts more goals to his, uh, you know, not not a lot more goals, but just starts adding goals to his repertoire, he will be the best midfielder, central midfielder in the world. So that's how highly they regard that player for Chelsea. So, And we all thought that that was the reason why Leicester had fallen away this year. But no, they're, they're back playing great football. And not only in the Champions League now, but also... In the, in the Premier League. Yeah, that, their aim now is just to stay stay alive in the Premier League and uh, go reset for next year. But uh, and it's kind of, you take some pleasure in them doing well, but you also feel like if you're a Leicester fan, you'd have mixed feelings 
Uh, where have you been? Yeah. Where have you been? Look, but it's not it's not like it's a it's a Liverpool who expect or a Manchester United or a Chelsea or a Man City who expect to be up the top. Last year for me was an aberration for Leicester. Uh, so I don't think the fans uh, would be too uh, concerned that they they've dropped away. They'd be concerned if they were going to be relegated. But I don't think they're too concerned they've dropped away the way they have. But, uh, but you know, can you imagine? They could be playing Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus or Bayern Munich at King Power Stadium in the next round or in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That's huge for the, this club. We've got some callers who do have a few names for us who, who did manage to do the double in consecutive years with different clubs. Hey, Jeff, how are you going? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Who, who was the player that, that did that, that played uh, you know, one season with one club and won the EPL and, and then followed up with another club the following year? Although he didn't take the pitch, I'm pretty sure Mark Swarter did it. At Chelsea and... Chelsea, uh, he finished up at Leicester, didn't he? Leicester. Yeah. But did, would he have got a medal for the Leicester? Oh, no, I'm sure that he got medals for both. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he's uh, show, showcased his medals to the, to the media. He, how many appearances for Leicester did he make? Uh, I think he... Did a couple of cup games, you know, League Cup and those things, mm-hmm. early rounds. Uh, he was just really there uh, as, you know, I think third choice keeper. I, I think they called him second choice keeper, but they weren't really going to seriously play him at the age he was at, uh, what, 42? He at was playing, Jeff, in that all important, mm. famous, famous, famous game at Anfield, though, when Steven Gerrard slipped over. <laughs> he was playing uh, that yes. day. So he... <laughs> good on you, mate. Thanks for your call. Steve in Glen Waverley. Hello, Steve. Yeah, good day, Frankie. How you going, mate? Good, mate. That's all right. Um, yeah, I've got one for you. Uh, the great King Eric Cantona. Mm, uh, from Leeds to Leeds Manchester, to Manchester United. United. Yes, that's a long good time get. ago. Mm. What, when you think back to that, what were Leeds thinking? I know. I know. Steve, are you a Leeds fan? No, definitely not, my friend. I'm a Man United fan. Yeah, that was yeah. a gift from the gods. It's, it's interesting how... <laughs> You know, Alex Ferguson, who took him on, obviously saw you know saw that this guy was uh, almost an unpolished diamond, even though he was a good player at Leeds. But I think he was a bit of a problem child at Leeds. He's been a problem child all his career, but I think Alex Ferguson never, ever was frightened of having that sort of player if he knew that he could straighten him up and guide him the right way. And uh, and he got the best out of some really, really explosive, type, volatile-type plays over, his, over the journey. And just when he was going to lose control, he let them go. Roy Keane is one, uh, one example of that. Prawn Sandwich Brigade. Yeah. Uh, and if you've not followed Eric Cantona's film career, have you seen him as an actor? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I saw it, just a clip. Have you seen Looking for Eric, the film? Well, I'm not sure whether it was that film, but I saw him on an SBS movie one, you know, just flicking through. Do me a favour. Yeah. Next week, come back and go and get it. Ken Loach, great British yeah, film director, yeah. made this film called Looking for Eric. And Eric yeah. Cantona plays himself in this sort of magic realist film. Go and have a look at it and come back. And to do you me. rate him? Awesome. Yeah, okay. Awesome. All right. Macca in Lilydale. Hello. G'day, gents. How are you? Good. Uh, any chance to hang it on a Chelsea player, I will. But this guy did a double, but in the opposite fashion was Frank Lampard. He went from Chelsea, uh, missing out on the title with Chelsea in the 2014-15 year. And the year previous, it was Man City that obviously won it. So he went from one club to the other, but missed out on championships at both. Yeah. <laughs> did the wrong oh, I reckon there'd be a f- no, I'm not sure whether there'd be a few of those players, but... Uh... Those players wouldn't put their hand up really for that uh, achievement, would they? No. Any, anyone who's done that wouldn't be wouldn't be sort of bragging about it. That's for sure. Frank had a few titles already, though. Yeah. Carlos Alberto Diego is here, and we're talking the world game. Socceroos have a really important couple of weeks coming up. Uh, they've got to go to Iran to play Iraq. Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. Anyway, yeah. and then they're playing the UAE in Sydney. Yep. And um, 
fair to say. On a minefield, by the way. Yeah. By the sounds of things. Because uh, of oh the, no, because the, of the state of the uh, Alliance Arena. Uh, it's had so much rain. Oh or? no, I think the rugby's been chopping it up, and Ange wasn't happy at all yesterday. Came out in the in the in the media and was very forthright in saying that uh, if that had been a, a cricket pitch that was, you know, for a series between Australia and India, and it suited India, the Prime Minister would get involved, and uh, and he basically openly said that because it's football, it no one seems to care. So he was very, very angry. It goes uh, back to that mm. the, the ongoing discussion around football and soccer having its own standalone national stadium, which I'm a big advocate for. The next question always is where it's going to be. My answer is I don't give a yeah. flying one as long as it's somewhere that the Socceroos can play in conditions that are conducive to them doing their very best. Yeah. And I look, the, the imperatives, the financial imperatives of the FFA, yeah. the fact that they can move their, the games to whichever state where the state government would pay most money, they probably would be dragging their feet on that idea, Francis, because of that reason. Yep, indeed. Hey, but one young man who will play on whatever pitch they put out for him because he must be so excited is young Adelaide United boy, Riley McGree, who's 18 years of age. He's played 12 or 13 games of A-League football. And when he was named in the provisional squad of 30 for this particular series of games, and these aren't friendlies, there's yep. no mucking around here. A World Cup qualification on the line. We thought, oh, he'll get, he probably won't make the cut. He did. He did. And uh, and it's just, I think Ange has turned around and said, I'm wanting more young people be given a go in the A-League. And if I'm going to be saying that, I need to be proving to people that I believe in that. And uh, it shocked me because we were talking about this last week, saying that he's a great young talent and he looks a great footballer when, he, when he's on the pitch for Adelaide in a team that struggled this year. But surely Ange won't pick him in the final 23. Well, he did. And uh, and then it's it's very exciting. It is for that young man and for all of us to see. You know, maybe he gets a run out at some point. Ivan Kalovic is the assistant coach with the national youth side in the NPL that uh, Riley has come through. G'day, Ivan. How are you going? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you going? Really well. Were you surprised that that he made the cut of twenty three? You must be thrilled. Oh, look, I think uh, it, it caught everyone by surprise. Um, but you know, I think he's been rewarded for a breakout year. Um, you know, and a good young footballer. Ivan, it's Carlos. Uh, he had he played uh, against uh, in the Champions League uh, a couple of weeks ago in Adelaide's first game against uh, Jiangsu Sunning against the Ramirez, the, the Brazilian who uh, played for Chelsea and well known right throughout the world for being an excellent player and held his own. Do you think that was the thing that uh, that turned uh, Ange into a real believer of this kid? Oh, look, I, I think Ange would have probably been a, a believer from you know the beginning of the season um, and I think that probably stood in, in his mind and, and he thought well hang on a minute this kid's holding his own against international quality it's probably worth a worth a shot in, in the Socceroos and I think um, rightly so. What sort of a player is he Ivan for, for those who haven't seen him? Look he's, he's a left-footed player he's technically very good um, he's, he's actually de- deceptively quick and probably a lot of people probably don't realise that, but he's, he's very powerful. He's got a good centre of gravity, and he's, he's a good kid. He's just a good all-round kid who's got a, a great work work ethic, um, willing to learn, um, takes takes information on board, and and that's probably why he is where he is at this at this very moment. Now, Ivan, you obviously work, uh, you know, under the uh, you know supervision and under the the coaching of uh, Guillermo Moore, one of the great players in Barcelona's history. And if he selects a kid who's seventeen or eighteen for a first team, because I think he got his first game last year uh, when he was seventeen, uh, played more games this year. I mean, what sort of confidence does that give a young kid when someone like Guillermo Moore says you're special? 
Yeah, well, exactly right. Um, and, and I think just being in and around the, the, the first team set up um, for, for a young kid and he started to train um, from, from the pre-season this year um, for, the, for the senior side and, and has obviously gone from strength to strength and, and they obviously see enough in him to give him that opportunity and have the faith in him and, and that's been reciprocated with Ange now with the Socceroos. So it's, it's great for, for him and it's great for the club. How do we make sure these young guys don't stall their progress at this stage? And I could go back to the likes of Casper Tafta and Christian Sarkis and all these young guys who were coming through at the age of 18 and 19 and everyone thought were going to go into long careers that never quite eventuated. So what's the key here for a young player like Riley McGree to make sure that this potential turns in is actually realised? Yeah, look, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because we have a lot of those sorts of players that have come and, and gone and just sort of disappeared into the wilderness. Um, I suppose the key is to keep the keep the the young fella grounded, and he's obviously got a very good support network. Good comes from a very good family, um, you know. And I think the people around the club will, will, will keep him grounded. And um, look, that's the key. I think I suppose in the media, it's, it's important not to, to brand him the next. Uh, Harry Kuhl or the next Mark Viduka. <laughs> Kiss of death. So, so, yeah, it seems to get thrown around, you know, too too loosely these days. Look, he's a good good footballer. He's still learning his trade. Um, he's he's still not the complete product. He's still not ready to, to go overseas and, and, and burst out into the EPL. Um, look, he's, he's heading in the right direction, but I think it's just one step at a time, and I think he's taking all the right steps. So, um, and look, knowing Riley, he's, He'll take all this stuff in his stride. He's um, he's a very uh, quiet boy, but you know, very confident in in his ability. Now, Ivan, does the club work on him and his family in that there will be agents flying around left, right, and centre? I mean, people take note of this. Even international agents would be taking note of this eighteen-year-old being selected in really, you know, cutthroat World Cup qualifiers by Ange, who's really respected all around the world now with what he's done with the Socceroos. Does the club sit with the with the family and say, "Listen, um, where, where's your mind at?" Because if you're thinking of going overseas, we don't want to lose you this early. Yeah, look, that's a good question. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I know the, the football manager Ante Kovacic will, I'm sure, be um, in regular contact with his, you know, with the family. And, and I suppose most kids these days have got agents yeah. <laughs> at a very young age. So, um, look, I'm, I'm sure that. Um, you know, all the due diligence will be, um, you know, taken care of, and I think they'll they'll make sure they map out the the correct pathway for Riley and ensure that he becomes a professional footballer. You know, um, look, he's like I said before, he's taking the right steps, and hopefully, he just continues down that path. Thanks, Ivan. Uh, Ivan, thanks for talking to us, and uh, we can't thanks wait to see much. him playing. Ivan Kalovic, the assistant coach with the National Youth Side in Adelaide in the NPL, where Riley McGree came through, so he knows him well, the 18-year-old in yep. in the squad for the Socceroos. And look, they've, they've lost really good young players. I mean, Stefan Mork, who went from Melbourne City and just burst on, you know, burst into you know one of their top players last year in, in the in a premiership winning team. And uh, and also uh, they lost Kamau, who's gone to Melbourne City, but his next move will be overseas. So, I mean, you lose young kids, uh, these brilliant young kids, and uh, and uh, Mobile obviously went overseas too. We, uh, Melbourne Victory is uh, Thomas Ding's not lost, but he's on loan over there in Holland. Uh, Pasquale's gone over there too. You just lose these brilliant young kids early. We don't see him in the A-League. 
I, I miss that if I don't see them in the A-League. Uh, it's good for their career. Not bad for the overseas club, but we, we lose out yeah, here. It's not always good for their career. Yeah. Often they get mm. lost as well. Carlos Alberto Diego with me talking football, uh, the World Game, and don't forget Ox and Mark up on the run home very soon. This is an interesting text that's come through. Always happy to read yours. 0433981116 is where you fire them to. Why does Craig Goodwin always get missed by the media and by the coach on this occasion? He's been left out of the squad. He was Adelaide's best player for the last two seasons, and he's been playing really well, flying at Sparta Rotterdam in the Eredivisie. In well, Ange would tell you, because they have an app. These players have an app, and they've got to uh, uh, send back information after every training session, every game over there. So if anyone knows what's happening to a player over there and what loads they're, uh, where they're injured or what sort of lo- training loads they've got, it's Ange Postacoglu and his, and his fitness team because they get all this data sent to them. And uh, Ange has said that uh, Craig Goodwin has had moments this year, but he's been out injured and he's been out of the team at different times. You know, he's just got back into the team and playing well. So I don't think he had enough, uh, enough uh, you know, match fitness in him to be able to convince... And that he's got, he can play both games if he needed to. Yeah, I reckon his turn might still be coming yeah. if he keeps it up. Which would be good to see a player progress from the A League, play in a, in a you know, sort of mid tier European competition and do well, and then come back as a soccer. He's Greg Holman did it. Oh, yeah. So many of them have done it. And no Craig Goodwin, and I know I'll get slaughtered for this, but at times when at his best in the A League last year, he was Gareth Bale like. Oh. I know, I know. I'm going to get slaughtered. But but there are other people who actually. I was actually scared to say it publicly last year or the, when he was playing. Can understand uh, why. But there were other people saying it too. So I'll come out quite <laughs> confidently now. But uh, but there were. He's just his uh, his hard running, his directness, yeah. uh, his ability, his you know shooting ability, all that sort of stuff. He was a very 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 small part of uh, Gareth Bale and the way he played. We want him to progress and yeah. become a good player. Hey, before you get going, I want you to talk to me a little bit about what's happening at National Premier League level and the possibility of not a breakaway competition as such, but them basically setting up their own two-tiered national competition below the A-League. Yeah, every, all the stuff out of the A... Michael Lynch has been writing a lot of stuff on this. Uh, it's all been about them coming together uh, in a formal way, in an official way, uh, as, a, as an association of, of NPL clubs throughout Australia and actually seeking a vote at the table, at the at the Congress, and uh, but uh, Mike Cockrell wrote a very interesting article, uh, as if he sort of had some background information or some off the record information he was using, where uh, MPL clubs are, are now so uh, you jacked know, off. Yeah, they're so upset of the, the the delays in in a second division or anything that might benefit them that they they are thinking of actually setting up a second division with or without the FFA. Now I don't know if that's possible, and down the track if they're going to do it without the FFA, I don't like their chances of getting promotion to relegation to the A-League down the track. So I'm not sure whether that would work. But I share their frustrations uh, just because uh, some number crunches at the FFA seem to think that it's going to cost a bit of money and that you know, they might incur some losses over time. doesn't mean you should stifle ambition in a good idea. And I think we should be looking at a second division, even put it in place a timeline where in the next three or four years, you know, teams get ready, put your application in five years' time, Give timelines to, for these uh, clubs or these uh, people at that level, and then they'll be much happier, I think. I spoke to Mike Cockerell about it earlier in the week, and he talked about whether the FFA was in danger of you know, losing control over the future direction of the game. Unfortunately, they've lost control, the FFA, and, and why, why I think that's unfortunate is because if they had more uh, you know, ability to listen and understand and educate themselves on the, on the various levels of the game and the nuances of the game and the rest of it, which unfortunately they've probably overlooked or ignored for too many years, 
they would still have control and a say in the in the agenda, but they've almost forfeited that right because of their pretty well point blank refusal to to listen to people. There you go. That was Mike uh, earlier this week with us. Mike Cockrell, uh, leading football journalist in Sydney, talking to us about that National Premier League move. They're having a meeting next week to, to try and make it happen. So yeah, but I'm not sure the NPL clubs are at that table. So this is the problem. Uh, they've got to actually decide. It's like, I don't know, it's almost policy on the run here, Francis. You know, the, the, Whoever's making the most noise, they're invited to the table. So the NPL clubs are saying, well, we're going to make some noise now. Uh, apparently the last uh, you know article from Mark, Michael Lynch is about FIFA backing the NPL clubs uh, in their endeavours to get on that table and get voting rights. But they've been pushing the FFA to have a standardised yep. promotion and relegation system, which is, mm. you know, the way football operates in all other parts of the world, virtually except for Australia and maybe one or two other constituencies. Yeah, put it in, put put a timeline in place, and people will work towards that timeline. And I think you'd solve eighty percent of your problems if you start doing that. Good on you, Carlos. Thanks, mate.